0: Bismillah alhamdulillah wa على رسول الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته. So today inshallah ta'ala we're going to speak about لفظ Jalala, which is the name of Allah, the name Allah itself. So the name of Allah often referred to لفظ jalala whenever you read any books of tafsir or so forth and they're mentioning that Allah mentions his name they don't say, they usually say لفظ Jalala. that's a reference to the name Allah. By the way لفظ jalala literally means the utterance of majesty. The utterance of majesty. So that's when they, when Allah mentioned, you know, they don't say His name; they say La Jalal. Anyhow, so uh, yes, this is the name of Allah, and uh, this is the name that must be used for a person's Islam to be valid. In other words, uh, in order to embrace Islam, you have to say the kalima. You have to say Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. You can't say Ashadu an la ilaha illa Rahman or al Rahim, Malik al Qudus, etc. You can't say. Uh, I bear witness that there is no God worthy of worship except for al rahman al rahim Al-Malik, Al-Qudus, or any of these names of Allah. It has to be La Ilaha Illallah. This name of Allah has to be mentioned. And furthermore, it's a very unique name in that you can attach it uh, to a little... Extra letter or uh, you could say in order to make a du'a out of it like the 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 statement Allahumma when you say Allahumma you're mentioning the name of Allah and you're putting a little you could say appendage or extra little portion to it That refers to cr- a cry of uh, you know desperation Allahumma would be translated as oh Allah Or ya Allah calling out to Allah and you can't that's not done with any other name of Allah Only the name of Allah has this hum at the end that makes it a call to Allah Allahumma so yeah there's no equivalent with any of the names of Allah. The big question often that comes up is the name of Allah, uh, Allah itself, is it an ism jamid or mushtaq? Is it um, a proper name that is not derived from anything or is it derived from something? And there are two opinions about this. And so we're going to explore the evidences of both, inshallah. You can come to your own conclusion. Uh, But in terms of the evidence for ism jamid or a proper name that is not derived from anything, um, there's a bunch of evidence for it. And the idea here is that the name of Allah, Allah itself, um, is the name that all other divine names and attributes are referring to. So that's why you say that, you know, the names of Allah, like Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Al-Malik, Al-Qudus, Al-Salam, Al-Mu'min, Al-Muhaymin, all these names are what? Names of Allah. So the fact that you refer to them back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala implies what? That they are all, um, you could say, names that refer to the underived proper name of Allah. And that's why Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, Allah, there is no deity except Him, to Him belong the best names. So it's not being included in one of the names, it's rather the name, you could say, that all the other names are referring to. Same thing with uh, the statement where Allah says, That to Allah belong all the best names, so invoke Him by them. And there's even an ayah in the Quran uh, in which Allah Ta'ala mentions, that there is no other name that is close to the name of Allah when Allah Ta'ala says, What? Allah Ta'ala says, Lord of the heavens and the earth and whatever is between them, so worship him and have patience for his worship. Do you know of any similarity to him? However, this statement, do you know of any similarity to him, can be translated differently. هَلْ تَعْلَمُ لَهُ can also be translated as do you know of anyone by the name, by a similar or by this name? And the answer is no. Of course, nobody has the name Allah as uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. Um, furthermore, this name Allah is also very unique even within the rules of Arabic. Uh, so for instance, every letter in the Arabic, uh, in the Arabic language, uh, in the Arabic alphabet, you often find uh, is either pronounced uh, when it has a fatha on top of it, with either a or a, right? So, uh, so, like if you go through the alphabet, you, go, you have ba, ta, tha. You don't say ba or ta or tha, right? You say alif ba, ta, tha, jim, ha, and then KHA, right? So that's a flat letter. So, letters like ra and uh, ra and ta and ka, these are all, so you, you see the difference, right? There's as and a letters. Now, when it comes to the letter lam, it is always la. It is always a, flat, open mouth, right? It is not heavy, aw. it's not like that. And yet, subhanAllah, there's one exception. The one exception is the name of Allah. That's the only time that you, you pronounce the letter Lam with a full mouth, uh, heavy aw sound. So even according to the Arabic uh, uh, rules, you find that the name of Allah is unique and it stands out. And furthermore, uh, even when it comes to um, the way it is dealt with in terms of its um, i'rab its, uh, um, I don't know how to translate that, but anyway, uh, for example, you'll find that in Arabic um, there is either something that is mu'arabun uh, or masrufun, which is fully flexible. So, for example, uh, the name uh, Muhammad, right? You'll find that depending on this, this, this is for those who are more advanced in Arabic. I apologize if some of you can't follow along, but when you study Arabic a little bit more, you'll find that the ending of words have a specific ending like muhammadun مُحَمَّدٌ or muhammadan or muhammadin. Right, you'll find that it's either fathaten, kasarthen, or lamaten at the end, depending on the function that it's being used in, in terms of the sentence. And so that is usually called, let's say, uh, muarabun or masrufun. It is fully flexible. Then there are other words that are um, partially flexible, which are called mamnuar min Right, let's say, for example, uh, uh, for example, Ibrahim you'll find that it's only going to be two options, either Ibrahimu or Ibrahima. It's either going to be a lamma or a kasra, or, excuse me, a or a fatha. that's it. it because it's not, it doesn't have un, an, or in, it's just going to have the u or the a. And there's a bunch of examples of this. And then the final option is something that is Mabni. Mabni means that it's just stuck. For example, uh, Musa and Isa. You're never going to find that there's Musa, un, or in, or an, It's just Musa and Isa, it's never changed. So these are the three options in terms of I'raab when it comes to the Arabic language. Uh, however, the name of Allah is not in any of these categories. It is completely unique. Uh, you'll find Allahu and Allaha and Allahi. You'll find that all three possibilities are there, but none of them have the dhammatain, uh, kasaratain, or fathatain. It's only always going to be either fatha, dhamma, or kasra. Which, anyway, the more you study Arabic, the more you'll realize that is really quite interesting because it's, it's not in any category. It's in its, own, it's in its own category. It's in its own category in terms of it's I- I'raab, it's in its own category in terms of pronunciation. The name of Allah is extremely unique in the Arabic language, and that in and of itself, I think, is a very powerful argument to say that it is an ism jamid. It is a, the proper name of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it is absolutely unique in every way. That being said, though, let's still explore the other possibility, which is what? That the name of Allah could be uh, ism mushtaqun, which means a uh, derived name. Um, uh, it's, it's coming from what? It would therefore be coming from the uh, word ilah, an ilah, which we're going to talk about in a moment. For simplicity's sake means a deity or an object of worship. That is an ilah. And so if you take these three root letters of a lam and ha which by the way the root of the, the verb itself alaha means yani uh, abada to worship, right? And therefore a ma'luh is a ma'bud. A ma'luh is a uh, object of worship, is a ma'bud an object of worship. So that's that's what it means. It's on the maf'ul pattern. However, sometimes the fa'al again I apologize that this is advanced. This is for more of the advanced Arabic students. But for those of you that are aware of Ism Fa'al, which is the hyperbolized form, uh, if you take these three root letters of A, uh, of Hamza, or uh, the, the Alif, and then Lam and Ha, you take these three and you put them on the Fa'al pattern, you get Allah, right? And so it could be Fa'al, but indicating Muf'ul. Uh, and this is, this is uh, something that's well-known in Arabic, that it can be the case. So therefore, what you get from that is the name Allah implying what? It is a ma'bud or a ma'luh or an object of worship. So I apologize if that's a little bit uh, confusing. But still, subhanAllah, it is quite interesting to hypo- uh, hypothesize that. There is another hypothesis that somebody took the uh, alif, laam, al, meaning the, like, like the absolute, and then ilah, al-ilah, and then eventually the middle letter got sort of squished in between, so al-ilah uh, became Allah, right? This is another um, uh, hypothesis. Anyway, uh, Allah Allah knows best, but the point is that in the end of the day, regardless of which pers- perspective you take, um, Allah Ta'ala is the object, uh, is the only one uh, who is deserving to be an object of worship, who is um, deserving of worship, meaning what? Uh, our... Uh, love, gratitude, reverence, humility, fear, and obedience. All this is implied. Uh, Asadi saadi even hypothesizes that lafzul jalala, or the name Allah itself, is the greatest name, ismul uh, azam the greatest name, uh, the one which you should call upon and it will be responded to. Yes, so what does worship imply? Uh, it's always important to, to remember that Allah Ta'ala is the one that we worship, and true worship implies a balance between ultimate love and humility. Or you could say the pinnacle of humility and the pinnacle of love. Or you could simply say hope and fear. The believers um, uh, worship is always balanced between hope and fear. And if you do not have this balance, then you're going to find that you will go to one of two extremes and these these extremes are actually mentioned in surah fatiha and in fact we make dua to uh, we make dua that allah ta'ala protects us from these extremes 17 times a day we're making this dua so if you have all of this humility and fear without being balanced by love what you become are people who what are very strict to the letter of the law without the spirit of the law i gave a whole lecture about this a little while ago but basically you're very rigid in your approach very dry technical religion uh, uh, due to a sense of obligation, due to a sense of perhaps uh, fear of punishment, but not doing so willingly or lovingly. And this is how you become who? maghdubi People who uh, Allah's anger is upon them. And on the flip side, if you are uh, driven by love entirely and you have no sense of fear or humility, you just have nothing but love then what ends up happening is that you are driven entirely by the spirit of the law, based on the feeling, but you have no obedience to the letter of the law, and therefore your religion becomes um, completely uh, boundless. It's just whatever. It's just based on feelings, and there's no unity because everybody just does whatever they feel. And this is how you become abalin, and that's why we make du'a that Allah protects us from going to these two different extremes. That we stay down the middle path, and we don't become ma'hdubi alayhim or abalin. We try to stay away from both extremes. So to be balanced, you have to have the, uh, make sure that you come to the center by balancing between love and uh, hope and fear, or you could say love and humility. Yes, now in terms of the name of Allah, this name, the name Allah, shows up 2,724 times in the Quran. So this is the book of Allah, and the name Allah is mentioned frequently. Um, And I just thought it was interesting to note that this is the name that we find in all of the uh, Semitic languages. So, um, when you look at the three root letters of, or the trilateral root, you could say, of Alaha, right? You'll find that Elohim um, is mentioned at the beginning of the Bible in the in the Hebrew. So Alaha, that 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 same concept is is derived there. And same thing with when Isa salam, uh, said uh, the famous quote in Mark fifteen thirty four, as well as in Matthew twenty seven forty six. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, so he, the, the fact that Isa a.s. was calling out saying saying, like ilahi, essentially, my God, uh, and the fact that it's from the same root of alaha really goes to show that whether you're looking at the Old Testament, the New Testament, or the Quran, which is the Final Testament, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always, these, whether it be in Hebrew or in Aramaic or in Arabic, the name of God is always something to do with alaha. Or Allah, essentially. In fact, if you go on Google and look up um, Aramaic translator, I've seen many people do this online. There's a bunch of different clips where people say Jesus spoke Aramaic. Okay, let's go on an Ar- Aramaic dictionary and look up the word God. They look up God, and then they find the, the translation uh, is Allah. So uh, Subhanallah, if Isa alayhi salam said that his God is Allah, and then the Christians would say, Yeah, but they're one. And then, but I just quoted you two verses in which he says why have you forsaken me, or why have you abandoned me, or why have you deserted me, because that's what forsaken means, then how exactly are they one if he himself is saying, we're not one, we, we are separate, we are not one. Uh, at least for that moment, right? So clearly they, at least at one point in time, weren't one. Uh, so do you believe in multiple deities, or is, should you, must you recognize that Allah Ta'ala is a unique creator of the heavens and the earth. He is Allah, and this is the name that is most acceptable to him. Most, whether it be you're looking at the time of Musa as Isa السلام, or the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu there's a consistency here. طيب. So, since this name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so important, and since the statement La ilaha illallah is crucial to our faith, I thought it would be important to explain the meaning of La ilaha illallah in a little bit of detail. Because a lot of people, they will simply say, oh, I know what it means. It means there is no God but Allah. Okay, fair enough. That's an excellent starting point, but it can get a little bit deeper. Um, so the first, first of all, the 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 la here is called la nafiyat jins, which means what? It's an absolute negation. That's why it's not la ilahun it's la ilaha. The fatha at the end implies that the la prior to it is an absolute negation. So there is absolutely no, and that's what's being said here: la ilaha. There's absolutely no ilah except for Allah. Now, the question is, what, does, what is an ilah? It's very, very important to understand this concept in a little bit more depth. Now, the most straightforward meaning and the most straightforward understanding is that alaha uh, ya'lahu uh, means abada which means to deify something, to worship something. And therefore, la ilaha illallah means that uh, there is no deity or there is no object worthy of worship except Allah. This is the statement that we're all very comfortable with. This is the one that we all know very well um, which implies what that the muslim does not worship or bow down to or pray to any human or angel or jinn or star Or planet or plant or animal or idol or anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That's what it means to be muslim This is the, the definition that I think we're all quite familiar with however It gets a little bit deeper when you look at this word ilah You can say that it's derived or connected to many other different root verbs Which all have different implications like for example Waliha yalahu walahan means ya'ani tahammasa It means uh, to have fervor or enthusiasm or excitement. And so, what does that mean? That your ilah is the thing that you have the most fervor, the most enthusiasm, and the most excitement. And therefore, when you say la ilaha illallah, ultimately what you're saying is, there's absolutely no cause for ultimate excitement except for Allah, or fervor or enthusiasm other than Allah. What does this mean? This means that, yes, of course, we can be excited that, oh, I got a new job, or I'm going to get married, or I'm going to go on vacation. Yes, there's nothing wrong. There's, it's not evil to have excitement for, you know, things in life. That's, that's totally fine. You, you bought a new, I don't know, your Amazon package arrived, and you're excited to get your new uh, whatever you just bought. That's, there's perfectly, there's nothing wrong with that. However, at the end of the day, you have to recognize that when you say, la ilaha illallah, what you're recognizing is that there is nothing that is higher on the list of things that you may be excited for. That ultimately, yes, I may be excited that I got a new gift or that I'm, you know, uh, going to go on vacation or whatever the case is. But ultimately, nothing is going to be above my excitement, and my fervor and my enthusiasm for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in worshiping Him, in returning back to Him in the afterlife. And ultimately, I recognize that all these other small, smaller, uh, you know, causes of excitement or fervor or enthusiasm, all of them, are ultimately a cause something that is caused by and allowed by and facilitated by Allah That's Ultimately, these are all gifts of Allah ta'ala anyhow. So subhanallah, when you recognize that, that's when you have truly understood this statement of la ilaha illallah. Let's keep going. Furthermore, aliha ilayhi ya'ani wuli'abihi means what? Uh, means to be obsessed with something, to have a sense of desperation. So an ilah can also mean what? Uh, a cause, uh, the object of obsession and desperation. Like you can imagine like an addict right somebody who's addicted to their phone let 's say they just can 't stop grabbing and checking their phone every two seconds, someone who has some sort of an addiction to whatever it may be, they always have to grab it and, and check it and, and look at it and, and and try to get as much as they can of it and that and this level of desperation or obsession can get to a point where you 're basically like this is your object of." Um, uh, of your ultimate object of obsession your ultimate object of desperation it is your ilah right and so the believer is the one who says la ilaha illallah there's absolutely no ultimate object of obsession or desperation except Allah meaning what that you have to be able to look out and see all the different people that have an addiction to or an obsession with whatever they may be addicted to and you say my addiction and my obsession towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater and higher uh, and this is implied in many different um, instances and like for example when Allah Ta'ala says ya amanu kathira oh you who have believed remember Allah with much remembrance and the prophet when he was asked give me some you know just simple advice that i can follow uh, a certain sahabi asked him this and so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam responded and said always keep your tongue moist with the remembrance of Allah uh, the most mighty and sublime in other words imagine being developing this sense of what, La ilaha illallah, there is no object of obsession and devotion that I have, nothing is higher in terms of what I'm interested in, what I'm completely focused on, nothing will ever be more than Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala. and therefore you're always saying, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, you're always reading the Qur'an, making dua, and you can never forget your salawat, and so you have this complete and utter devotion to your Lord, that truly makes Allah your ilah, and you have no ilah other than Allah. In fact, Allah Ta'ala says, مَن من And yet among the people are those who take other than Allah as equals to Him. They love them as they should love Allah, but those who believe are stronger. They are more intense in their love for Allah. If you're a true believer, conclusion here is what? If you're a true believer, then you should be able to look at anybody who has any object of obsession and devotion and say what? I am more obsessed and more devoted to Allah than you are to whatever deity you have. Why? I'm not going to be outdone. Why? Because your obsession and devotion and your worship to that thing is false. And my worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warranted and granted uh, and, and, and merited. And therefore, I should never be outdone. And that's exactly what Allah ta'ala is saying in Surah Al-Baqarah, ayah number 165. Very, very important ayah. Another meaning of ilah is what? Coming from the root verb, aliha ilayhi <laughs> يَعْنِي fazi'a إِلَهِ uh, meaning what? A need or an escape from some sort of an internal unrest, just like we have hunger and thirst that you know our, our bodies need some sort of sustenance. In the same way, our souls also are in need. Uh, we have a desperation, a need. Uh, you could say an internal anxiety or stress that develops as long as we are not remembering Allah. And so, Allah Taala is the refuge. He is the need or the escape from this inter these internal problems. And so, state the statement: La ilaha illallah. Is a statement of saying there's absolutely no ultimate escape from need and unrest except with Allah, and this is proven when we say what that unquestionably by the remembrance of Allah do hearts find assurance. In other words, your heart is never going to find rest and comfort uh, until you turn back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So that's that's a uh, the, the the you could say the need or the escape or the refuge from what from internal. Uh, let's say uh, discomfort or internal problems what about external furthermore alihahu yani waqahu or anjahu which means what that also an ilah is your ultimate guardian and rescue rescue from what external threats as well so we we all have seen I'm sure a child fleeing to their parents out of sheer terror they see something that scares them they run back crying their eyes out they're screaming mama mama and they have this desire to be saved by this external source well that child you know, certainly can have that feeling, but as you get older and you make this statement of La ilaha illa, what you're ultimately saying is what? That Allah is your ilah and there is no other illah. So what you're saying is there is absolutely no ultimate guardian except Allah. This is why Allah Ta'ala says, Fafir ila Allah." So flee to Allah. Run as fast as you flee. to flee is when you're running at peak speed because you are completely terrified. You flee to Allah Ta'ala. It doesn't matter what danger you're in, of course, there's nothing wrong with going to the police or going to an army or getting help through whatever, you know, normal, standard, worldly means there are, but ultimately, to be a Muslim is to say, La ilaha illallah, And I recognize that all of those means of refuge are ultimately underneath uh, who? Uh, my ilah, my deity, my cause of refuge and rescue, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that uh, none of them can do anything, they are all impotent without the blessing, without the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The sixth uh, definition is what? laha yaluhu Uh ilyahan, Which means what? يَعْنِي عَلَى yalu," Which means loftiness. So, an ilah is what? The ultimate, uh, you could say, object of loftiness and reverence and wonder and astonishment and height. And so, what? Just the same way you might see somebody be completely starstruck and awestruck when they see a celebrity or some sort of a president or CEO or whatever the case is, somebody wealthy, you know, they have this moment of being just frozen. Well, when you say La ilaha illallah, what you're really saying is there's absolutely no ultimate object of reverence and awe and wonder and astonishment except Allah. So yes, Allah Ta'ala says, أَلَمْ آمَنُوا أَنْ تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ Has the time not come for those who have believed that their hearts should become humbly submissive at the remembrance of Allah? Allah Ta'ala is saying, isn't it time that you finally develop that sense of awe that Allah Ta'ala is so much higher above you? Allah says, what اللَّهِ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ that uh, indeed only those who fear Allah are who, from amongst his servants, are those who have knowledge. You have to learn and study your deen and then you have that khashya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And another, um, you could say, uh, implication here from this la hayaluhu is what? That Allah ta'ala is, you're not just the highest in terms of the object of reverence and awe, but in addition to that, your highest intent, your highest goal, your ultimate purpose. Many people, they have many different high, you know, they say, oh, I have to do this today, I have to do that. I have different objectives that I have, different goals that I have throughout the day. And my highest purpose is what? Some might be, uh, one of my highest purposes is to get a mansion or a car or to have a certain job or a certain status or whatever the case is. However, when you say that Allah is your ilah, you're saying that Allah Ta'ala is your ultimate highest intent and nothing will ever supersede that. So the statement of la ilaha illallah implies there is absolutely no ultimate object, uh, there is absolutely no ultimate objective higher than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why we say, قُلْ إِنَّ وَنُسُكِي ومماتي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Say, you must say this, you have to have this attitude. Indeed, my prayer, my sacrifice, my living and my dying are for Allah, the Lord of the Worlds. And the seventh and final point that I want to mention in terms of this concept of ilah is al-muta'a. Uh, al-muta'a means what? Uh, the... Uh, authority, the object of obedience, the thing that you obey. And that's what an ilah implies. And so when you're making the statement, la ilaha illallah, what you're really saying is what? There is absolutely no ultimate authority except Allah. There are many people in this life that will say that, yeah, sure, I worship God and I have reverence for God, I have love for God, I have awe of God, but... When it comes to what I obey, I often obey my desires, social pressures, trends and friends and this and that and the other. I'll obey whoever, but I, you know, I don't necessarily obey Allah. And so this is a, a, a misunderstanding of the concept of an ilah. An ilah is what? Is an object uh, of um, obedience, the authority, al muta And therefore you're saying la ilaha illallah, there is ultimately no authority except Allah. That Allah Ta'ala is the one who we obey first and foremost. As we are supposed to say, what? And they say, uh, we hear and we obey, and we seek your forgiveness, our Lord, and to you is the final destination. The Prophet also says, what? There is no obedience to the creation in disobedience of the Creator. So, yes. Um, and if you put all these together, <laughs> I tried to do this, and maybe someone can put this on the screen. If you take all the definitions that I mentioned, Uh, If you put together uh, the ultimate object of deification, fervor, excitement, enthusiasm, obsession, desperation, need, escape, guardian, rescue, loftiness, intent, and authority. Uh, The first letter of each of those, put them all together and they spell uh, define real God. So (laughs) I just thought that was interesting. And I thought that was a nice way to define what a real God is, an ilah. Um, that's, that's, That's the definition right there. And so... Uh, maybe you can put that together, inshallah, someone can do that. So, what is the effect? What is the effect of this um, statement of La ilaha illallah? How should it affect us? It should affect us internally, externally, and eternally. As for the internal, uh, it should affect us in a spiritual way. It should have a powerful transformative effect, and not just saying it once, but repeating it over and over again. The Prophet says, What? Jaddidu Imanakum, qila ya Allah, wa keifa nujaddidu Imanana, qala akthiru min قول La ilaha illallah. The Prophet ﷺ advised and told the Sahaba, renew your faith. And they said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, how can we, re- how can we renew our faith? And then the Prophet ﷺ said, Repeat often, La ilaha illallah. Repeat this over and over again. So, this is the internal effect that it has. And furthermore, the Prophet ﷺ also says, Afdarul dhikri, La ilaha illallah. The best of remembrance is La ilaha illallah. Now, with regards to externally, what is the external effect? It creates a form of brotherhood, you could say. It puts us part of this fraternity. Uh, it makes us part of this uh, brotherhood and sisterhood of islam as allah ta'ala says mu'minuna indeed the believers are nothing but a brotherhood and sisterhood implied as well and furthermore the prophet sallallahu says that allah says in a hadith qudsi qadallahu azza wa jal wajabat lil wal 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 that allah ta'ala says my love is guaranteed is obligatory For those who love each other for my sake, who sit with each other for my sake, who visit each other for my sake, and who spend on each other for my sake. SubhanAllah. very, very beautiful hadith. And furthermore, uh, that's with regards to um, uh, the internal effect. Now in terms of uh, the external effect as well. So internal, external, and now finally the eternal effect is what? Paradise. We know the famous narration, uh, the well-known narration that's mentioned uh, in Tirmidhi. Uh, it's an authentic hadith in which the, uh, the Prophet describes how um, Allah Ta'ala will distinguish a single individual from the Ummah before all of creation on Judgment Day. And 99 scrolls will be brought forth uh, and laid out before him. And he's going to be asked, he's going to be asked, do you deny any of this? Do you deny any of this that has been written about you, all these sins that you have done? And uh, have those who recorded it, the angels, have they wronged you in any way? You say, no, my Lord, no. Do you have any excuses? No, I have no excuses. And so he he's just stuck. He's, he has all these evil sins that he's done. All of it's been recorded. All the evidence is in. The, you know, you could say the, the, the court um, is being established. The judgment is being uh, laid down. And so Allah Ta'ala will say... Um, Rather, you have one good deed with us, and you shall not be wrong today. And so this one little bitaqa, this is in fact called usually hadithu bitaqa, the, the hadith of the card. So one little card that has one little statement written on it will be brought forth, and on it it will say, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, wa shadu anna wa That it will say, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and that Muhammad is, the, is his servant and messenger. This one little statement will be on it. And the scales will be brought forth, and he will say, Ya Allah, what good is one little card compared to all these huge amounts of scrolls with all these evil deeds on it and then Allah Ta'ala will reassure him that he will not be wronged and so the scrolls will be placed on one side and on one, you know the scale and then the card on the other and yet subhanAllah that card will outweigh uh, all those evil deeds and subhanAllah uh, it, the, the hadith finishes with a statement of what? nothing is heavier than the name of Allah so this is such a mercy from Allah Taala that the statement of La ilaha illallah is so powerful and so significant. The Final point that I'll mention inshallah ta'ala with regards to this idea of ibadah, we should remember that an abd uh, is is, is a servant, but also a slave. Uh, And so if Allah is our ilah, our object of worship, he is our rab, then we are indeed the ibad, we are indeed his slaves and his servants. And so it's very important to recognize that even, you know, this is not employment. You know, an employee, you know, can demand certain rights an employee has certain hours that he works and then certain hours that doesn 't work uh, an employee does certain jobs and doesn't doesn 't have to do other jobs whereas an abd you know you just have to submit entirely there are no specific hours it's always it's always uh, um, you know uh, you're, you have to always obey you have to do anything that you are commanded, and uh, you must accept all of this, and there is no really fighting it and so subhanallah We are all servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah ta'ala make us of those who accept our responsibility to worship Him entirely, to devote ourselves fully. May Allah ta'ala forgive us for our shortcomings. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. And with that inshallah ta'ala we'll close. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.